Luke 1, 46 through 55, again. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to the descendants forever. In Sunday school, we're, we're embracing this, uh, this book that uh, really challenges us around the idea of Advent, called the Advent Conspiracy. And uh, we're going to be exploring four topics. But it's not just the Sunday school. In fact, as a, as a church, we've kind of uh, decided to use this book to guide us through Advent this year. And the, the, so the four themes coming up, we got worship fully, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, spend less, give more, and love all. So uh, I'm really excited about uh, just this exploration of what Advent uh, really can be for us as followers of Christ. And uh, we begin this morning by really talking about uh, kind of the religion of consumerism. You know, uh, in many ways, our spirituality around, uh, around Christmas has been replaced by a new kind of spirituality, an idol, if you will, consumerism which is uh, one of the most prominent religions in uh, our country today. Would you agree? Amen. And you know what? It's easy. It would be easy to sit up, stand, up, stand up here and just rail about, you know, about consumerism and how Christmas has become so commercial. In fact, we gripe and moan about that every year, don't we? Our, and we, And we all say it. We're so sick of the commercialism that surrounds Christmas. And we're so sick of how... Uh, it, it gets all about what you know, spending a bunch of money and doing all the right stuff. And in fact, uh, it becomes and and we all we all instinctively know that something has gone wrong with our approach to Christmas, right? Something has gone wrong with the way. And and I will say, I think every year we try to come up with. So if you're like me and my family, we try to come up with some new way of dealing with Christmas that honors some of our tradition and yet recaptures really what the heart of Christmas is all about. But it's so difficult uh, because this is such a prominent part of our culture and there's so much that goes on. And Black Friday, my Lord in heaven, Black Friday just seems to epitomize all that is wrong with our society <laughs> and and everything and consumerism right there just seems to grasp it and that that is associated with our celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ really really highlights the contrast between the world we live in and the kingdom of God and how we have somehow lost our way or maybe we've never found our way fully in regards to this. I believe that the world we live in has always been at odds 
with the kingdom of God and will continue to be at odds with the kingdom of God until the real, the real fullness of who Jesus can be in the world, who God is in our lives, can be completely realized. Amen? So we will always find ourselves at odds with this. But if you're like me, it's not just the consumerism, right? Which there's a lot of that. Get the right stuff, buy the right things. And I don't know, if you're like me, I love to shop. i got to tell you. If time and money were not an issue, I'd be all over. Let's go. I'd be all over Black Friday. I'd be all over this stuff. I, I'd be, you know, I love to go shopping. Uh, and, and yet, some, for some reason, around Christmas time, I find it overwhelming. Maybe that's because I'm shopping for other people. Maybe that. <laughs> Maybe what I really love is shopping for myself, right? And then, <laughs> can I be honest? So uh, you know, and it's not that it's not even that I don't like buying things for other people, but if do you? F- I feel this pressure come down on me around Christmas time. Like, what's a what's the right amount to spend on my children? What you know? How big a deal should we make out of it? Uh, what what the what? Who's going to buy me a present and thus? make me feel obligated to buy them a present, right? I mean, you got all those pressures. And, and who am I forgetting? I'm, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, who am I forgetting? And the money. Like, if you're, my, if you're like me, I, I usually get in debt around Christmas time, which is, that's another dumb thing to do to honor the coming of Christ, amen? To get, you know, to pay for, Chris, for the junk you buy for Christmas for the next six months to a year that just seems i think jesus would would dress me down for that kind of talk that kind of thing right would be going you are stupid curtis why are you doing this (laughs) and it has nothing to do with my appreciation of jesus yet it's so easy to get dragged away not just by the consumerism but by the the busyness and the pressure and the making sure everything go everyone's expectations are met even our most heartfelt traditions can become a millstone around our necks at times sometimes when we feel like if this does not happen it won't be christmas but you know sometimes things sometimes things change you know there's chaos in our lives at times and because of that chaos, sometimes the traditions don't always happen. And it's got to be okay, or you're going to make yourself crazy. You know, around Christmas time, there is more depression that happens than any other time of the year. That's another thing that ought to give us pause and make us go, something, something is wrong. And somewhere... Somewhere our society has gotten disconnected from what Christmas is really ultimately about. And it sounds almost cliche to say it because we've been saying it for so long. And yet it begs the question, okay, Pastor Curtis, great, we're on board with you. Consumerism, bad. Christmas, good. So what, how do we celebrate? What is missing then? What is it we're not doing? What it, what? What next thing do you want me to do, right? My goal here is not to add more pressure, but to release some pressure. By finding those moments, finding those avenues, finding those 
ways of recapturing the joy and the wonder of Christmas. You know, I, poor pastor, I'm so cynical these days that that uh, you know people get around me and, and around Christmas, and they're just like, "You're such a downer when it comes to Christmas." But you know, there are people around me who really get into it. They love it. You know, Katie has been all giggly and happy about Christmas, and uh, it's starting to rub off. There is joy to be had, amen? There is joy to be had. At, right after, th- it starts with Thanksgiving, and then there's, there's joy to be had during this Christmas time. And it's really not so much even about what we do, but the attitude with which we approach it, Amen? Uh, and we're going to talk about how we spend our money in the next coming weeks. But really, right now, what I want to talk about is that attitude. And I, I take my cue first from, from Mary, who upon hearing the teenage girl, unmarried, poor, living in the wrong part of town, finds out she's pregnant. Finds out she's going to have a baby. Now, her approach is a little different because it was an angel that told her, <laughs> not a doctor. So she got a little, you know, it's a little, she's got mixed feelings, right? <laughs> you know, it's a little different than what one might expect. But she gets this news, and what does she do? She sings this song that Mary read over and over <laughs> for us. But she sings this song, which we call the Magnificat, because she magnifies the Lord with that. And in this song, what she is singing about is that with the coming of this child, the old way of being is gone, and there is a new way of being, where the proud is sent away humble, where the rich are are lacking, and the poor receive an abundance, where the whole world is turned upside down, and those things which suck the life out of us before now we are receiving life those who were left out are brought in one of the great things about the christmas narrative that we have in matthew and luke the the birth narrative in the bible is that really at its best what it is is a a nutshell capturing of the whole gospel story and so when mary sings her song about the birth of Christ and the anticipation of the birth of Christ. She is saying, this is what Jesus is about. Bringing about this upheaval of the system they lived in. The oppressive system that they lived in. And replacing it with the kingdom of God. She announces that in this this worship song that she sings praising God for all that God is about to do Joseph in Matthew it's a different book different story Joseph comes and, and is gets the news about Mary being pregnant and he's planning to he's a nice guy so he's not going to expose Mary to public shame he he said he's going he's to divorce her quietly. They're not quite married, but they're not, they're not just dating either, right? They're locked in. And then an angel comes to him in a dream 
It says, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child she brings is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He receives this news that in this world, God will be with us. And his response is one of obedience. Tell me where to go and I will go. I want to be with God as God is with us. So he takes Mary as his wife and he vows to protect this child, Emmanuel. And he worships fully. When the child is finally born, who gets to hear about it first? The shepherds. We were talking about shepherds this morning a lot in the, in the Sunday school class. We were all talking about, you know, uh, what kind of folks shepherds are. They're kind of, they're kind of uh, you know, they're, they're not really, they're not answering the phones at the desk kind of guys, right? They're out there, they're, they have bad language, they have bad odor, <laughs> you know, if 20 shepherds showed up, it would be like 20 homeless folks kind of showing up on your doorstep saying, let me see the baby. And, you know, you'd be like, well, all right, here, pass around the sanitizer and wash your hands before anyone comes in. Shepherds are kind of like that. You, you wouldn't want them showing up wanting to see the baby, right? <laughs> and yet, here they are. They're out doing their business, taking care of someone else's sheep. I won't get into that, but they're taking care of someone else's sheep. They can't afford to have their own sheep. They're taking care of someone else's sheep. And an angel appears to them, and they're afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you great news that is going to bring joy to the world that in the town of Bethlehem the Prince of Peace has just been born who is the Messiah for all people. And just to emphasize the point, the angel brought the news to the shepherds. And they dropped what they were doing. Who knows what happened to the sheep? I don't even want to go there. But they dropped what they were doing. And they came to worship this child. I doubt Mary let them hold him. But they came and worshipped. <laughs> this child dropped everything. And then they went around telling everybody, the Prince of Peace has come. I bring... We're bringing good news of great joy. They took over where the angel left off. and started telling everybody. And they worshipped fully. The wise men, too, several years later, show up on the doorstep looking for a baby who was going to be the king of kings. And their response was a lot like the shepherds, and yet they were rich. These were people of means. These were the dominant culture, at least where they were from, in Iraq somewhere. They were Zoroastrians. And they came. And they, they, had to, they wanted to worship too, but before that, they gave away their stuff. We have gold, we have frankincense, we have myrrh, and we're giving that away to you to honor 
the king. And then they prostrated themselves in front of Jesus. They laid down and they worshipped fully. And, you know, they probably couldn't worship fully if they were thinking, I got to hold back some of this myrrh. I better, I, I got a party coming up. I better hang on to some of this myrrh. You know, people will be looking for it. If they held back, they probably couldn't have worshiped fully. They gave their gift, then they worshiped fully. What, how do we regain? this anticipation, this advent, this expectation about what Christmas can be? How can we get back Christmas? By worshiping fully. By recognizing the impact of this event and all that it represents. What the Christmas story gives to us is the good news of God's unending unstoppable love for all of us. Amen? And that the kingdom of God, which seems so far away, is drawing near and coming to us. Christ. Worship fully and embrace. Take those moments to embrace that idea that who Jesus is, the transformative power in the world to bring justice, to bring peace, to bring good things into the world, and to bring about the kingdom of God the way God intended it to be. You know, it is, I, I, got, I keep saying, let's take back Christmas, which is kind of a it's kind of a catchphrase going around these days where it, as if there's a, you know, this whole war on Christmas business. And let me tell you this right now. It's silly that we get upset, or that anyone gets upset, that J.C. Penney says Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. It's silly that we get upset that the public sector, that the government buildings don't have nativity scenes in them. As if it's their responsibility to tell our story. This is our story. Quite frankly, I don't want Capitol Hill trying to tell my story. Amen? This is our story. And that's really what I'm talking about. Let J.C. Penney tell their story. Let Capitol Hill tell their story around what this season is about. We have our story. Amen? And our story is that we come into this season to worship fully the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty One of God, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Reclaim our story and let's tell it through our worship, through our acknowledging that what this season is about is about all that Jesus brings to this hurt and broken world. And we cannot worship fully without recognizing that Jesus was about justice, that Jesus was about equity, 
that Jesus was about watching out for the least of these. We cannot worship fully and stay in our own microcosm world. We cannot worship fully without opening our eyes to the, to the cost of Christmas the way the world wants to do it. And our story intersects with justice. We're going to talk more about how we can be the counter to the glut in this world that costs so many so much. But it begins with our worship. Coming to Christ and responding as Mary did, as Joseph did, as the shepherds did, as the wise men did. Worship fully. Let us pray. Loving God, thank You so much. As we begin this journey of Advent, thank You so much that we can ground ourselves in who You are in our lives and in this hurt and broken world. And may our worship lead us to desire more for the world, more for those who hunger, more for those who are without, more for those who are left out and pushed to the margins. May we, in our worship, draw those back in and create a level place for all God's people to be present with You in justice and in love. In the name of Christ we pray.